Boyer's Coffee, they have been brewing coffee in this region since 1965. Locally owned, locally operated, environmentally conscious, and they make a wonderful cup of coffee. I have uh, their pods delivered right to my house whenever I run out. That is the simplest way to do it. Go to boyerscoffee.com, boyerscoffee.com, and you'll see uh, all of their products and uh, you can save yourself a trip to the grocery store. But if you go to your favorite grocery store, they're going to be there as well. Really look at their site right now because it's the holiday season. They have all kinds of great promotions and deals going. So whether it's uh, coffee or coffee products that... uh, you want to purchase for yourself or maybe as a gift you got to go to boyerscoffee.com now's the time to do it as i said they have all kinds of wonderful deals happening as we speak boyerscoffee.com steel products man they got thousands of great products s-t-i-h-l steeldealers.com is where you'll find the local dealer nearest you. And I guarantee you, folks, there's one right around the corner because they have more than 10,000 around the country. Also go to steel, S-T-I-H-L-U-S-A.com to see their wealth of products. There are so many, it is mind-boggling. All kinds of chainsaws, all kinds of blowers, all kinds of trimmers, everything to help your backyard, front yard, your oasis look like an absolute masterpiece. The more steel products you have, the better your property looks like and you'll be the envy of everyone in your neighborhood. Just go, man. It's a toy store for uh, folks that like to work in the yard. Steeldealers.com, S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, ESPN analyst and former college hoops coach, Fran Fritchilla, talking college hoops and a secret weapon for a few of you up-and-coming sports broadcasters. And I got to tell you a little secret. I used to interview myself in the car on a drive home from a high school game in Cleveland. I wouldn't get home till 2 in the morning, and I would I would literally practice post-game interviews, and I practiced it. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts, and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. You know, I think I might do this show with a southern accent. Um, it's a bad southern accent, I'll, I'll give you that, but I just thought that the deference to our friend Brian Keller down in Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, we should do it in a southern accent. How hysterical was that, folks? I mean, it, on one hand, it was hysterical. On the other hand, it was flat out embarrassing. Why? Be yourself. When I have people come up to me who are aspiring broadcasters and they say, what kind of advice would you pass along? And the first thing I always say, and I've said this for a number of years, is be yourself. It doesn't matter whether you want to be a broadcaster, a teacher, uh, whatever it is. Number one in life, be yourself. And your parents tell you that. You you know, you're, you're going to ask out you know, a young lady or, or, you know, something along those lines. Be yourself. So what Brian Kelly did was, I mean, and Brian Kelly's a great coach and whatever, this too shall pass. But that was absurd. I mean, that was ridiculous. While we're talking about coaches changing lanes, as I watched Brian Kelly at LSU 
And I watched Lincoln Riley take the job at, at Southern Cal. And, and good for, for Mike Bone, who's a, a friend, a former AD at University of Colorado. He's now the AD at Southern Cal. Listen, he, he went out and he got his man. And these are guys who are leaving story programs. Usually, man, you land the Oklahoma job, you have hit the mother load. You, you, you're the head coach at Notre Dame. Are you kidding me? But now we're seeing folks move. And it goes back to something I was just saying 30 seconds ago. Be yourself. Do not be disingenuous. When the press conference begins and the first question naturally is going to be, why did you leave Norman, Oklahoma for Southern Cal? Why did you leave South Bend, Indiana for Baton Rouge? Now, listen, we know the Southern Cal job's a great job. We know the job at LSU is a great job. But be honest, the the reason they left was they got offered a lot more money. Now, that's not 100% the reason. Sometimes it may be facilities. Who, but don't say, well, this is you know, a storied program of Southern Cal. Of course it is. And the program you left was a storied program. Boomer Sooner. Heck, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame. Great job at Notre Dame. We know that. Great job at LSU. But he also probably doubled his salary. Be honest. You know what? They afforded me, even though I was making you know a very nice living being the head coach at Notre Dame, they have doubled my salary. Next question. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you respect that at the end of the day more than you know trying to bullshit your way through the answer and say, well, this is what a great opportunity to coach in the SEC. At, at, uh, see, I'm already leaking into a Southern drawl again, right? I mean, just be honest. Money talks. We talk about accountability, right? Coaches always are talking about accountability to their players. I hope they were honest with their players. Sometimes in life, you are afforded an opportunity that you can't turn down. And for me and my family, this was an opportunity we felt like we couldn't turn down. I was reading about Jay Norvell, who I know a little bit because I had Nevada in football on television several times during his tenure in Reno. And he's now the head coach at Colorado State. And I want to talk about that uh, for a moment. But I was reading some of the accounts in the Reno and Nevada media about him leaving. And they all had great praise, by the way, for Jay Norvell, which is understandable because he's a class A guy. But they said what I was just saying. He left because Colorado State's going to pay him basically three times what he was making at Nevada. And what's a little bit different in terms of the first two coaches, you know, Lincoln Riley leaving Norman and Brian Kelly leaving South Bend, they have great facilities at all of those institutions. I know that Brian Kelly, I heard, wanted some upgrades with certain things uh, in South Bend. But in the case of Jay Norvell, not only is he tripling his salary, even though he's staying within the conference, from a facility standpoint, it ain't even night and day. That's not a fair analogy. The facilities that he was winning with in Reno were somewhat high school-like by Texas football standards. And now he's going to CSU, which has outstanding facilities. They really do. Um, so a little bit more on on the arrival in Fort Collins and the decision by Joyce McConnell, who's the president, Joe Parker, who's the athletic director, 
uh, to hire Jay Norvell away from Nevada. This was a great hire. And for those that follow me on Twitter and social media, um, I was in the Tony Alford camp. I've known Tony since he played and had a terrific career as a running back at uh, Colorado State. And then once uh, you know his brief NFL career was over, he embarked on coaching. I did a number of his games when he was one of the top assistants um, at Iowa State. He was a great recruiter uh, for Dan McCarney. Brought in a lot of people. Dan McCarney and, and Tony helped turn that program around at, at Iowa State years ago. Then he went on to Washington, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. And, uh, you know, he's a, a guy that went to high school in Colorado and started Colorado State. And I always felt like Tony would do a terrific job in Fort Collins. It didn't happen. He was passed over now, I guess, three times uh, for the job. That doesn't mean there are not other people out there that could also be a winning choice. And I think without question, this was a winning choice for Colorado State. And I feel like I have the basis to say that beyond just looking from afar at a name and and what their accomplishments were. But having sat in television meetings on, you know, Friday afternoons before Saturday afternoon game involving Nevada on, as I said, several occasions with Jay Norvell, you always came away impressed with his leadership with his intellect, with his uh, charisma, with his constitution as a, as a man and as a leader of a football program. And then there are the results. Because I'm telling you, the facility is not trying to beat up the University of Nevada, but their stadium is subpar. Their football facilities are really subpar by today's standards. And yet he was winning you know, typically eight games a year. Their first year, they went three and nine, and then there was a 180-degree a turnaround. He was he beat Boise State. He's beat San Diego State, I believe, a, a couple of times. So he was beating the heavyweights in the conference as well. This was a damn good hire. And as opposed to two years ago when Colorado State hired Steve Adazio, And I'm not being a historical revisionist here. They lost the press conference. They lost the press conference with Steve Adazio before it began because, you know, Ram Nation was looking on saying, why did we just hire a guy who was 500 at Boston College who's been mostly a Northeast guy? How does this fit? And clearly it did not. But it didn't fit on the day he stood in front of the green and gold. Well, today, and leading in, in the last 24 hours, as we all learned that Jay Norvell was was coming from Reno, there was jubilation within Ram Nation. And then if you heard his press conference today, man, he kicked ass. Our first rule that we live by is, is respect. And I told the players today, I want gentlemen. Manners matter. And the second one is to learn to live with 100% accountability. I've been around so many successful people and the most successful people understand that it's the choices that they make that will, will lead to their success. Third thing is good old fashioned hustle. 
We all know what it looks like. And, uh, you know, there's another old saying, a train that's on the right tracks will still get run over if it doesn't do anything. And so the most important thing in your environment is to have an environment where the, the people in that environment know you care about them. It's a safe environment. And once, once they understand that, boy, can they, they really start to gravitate and listen to the things that you're trying to say. It was authentic. It was genuine. And you came across and you said, as I was writing down notes and watching this, if one of my boys was being recruited by Colorado State and Jay Norvell, I'm all in. Because you can tell he has integrity, leadership, drive. And I will be really surprised if we're not chatting on this podcast a couple of years from now and Colorado State is not in a far better place than they were and is really ascending because they can be one of the top programs in the group of five as college football is currently constituted. So that was a winning hire in Jay Norvell at, at, at Colorado State. And it'll be interesting to see um, how, how it looks going forward. But I think, uh, I think there's two thumbs up with that hire. Alabama over Georgia. Who had that one coming? I mean, Alabama, by their standards, has struggled offensively um, a, a good portion of this year. We were talking last week about the Iron Bowl and how it really wasn't a great game. I mean, Alabama shut out for three quarters against Auburn, and then there was great theater, you know, in the overtimes, and, and Alabama, um, you know, much to the the shock of, of Auburn, finds a way to win, what was it, 12-10 final? But, I mean, this is Alabama. I get it. This has been the best program the last, whatever, seven, eight, ten years, and they have the best coach maybe in the history of college football, Nick Saban. Well, you got to give it to him again. Because as we said, they weren't playing great on offense. They had a couple of close victories in addition to the one uh, in the Iron Bowl. And they're playing a Georgia team that's been absolutely dominant on both sides of the football. One of the better defenses we've seen in a long time in college football. And Alabama puts it on Georgia. And all of a sudden you're saying, hey, Nothing's changed. Alabama's the front runner to win another national championship. Players matter. You got to have talent. You got to have talent. I always say that. Said it last week. You know, ran my old uh, buddy's line, Dave Lapham. You can X know all you want, but if their X's are bigger, stronger, faster than your O's, Alabama, you know, has great players. Georgia has great players, right? But Nick Saban, I mean, that. That's a masterful job. Masterful job. I'm thrilled Cincinnati's in. Glad they decisively won over a very good Houston team to remain unbeaten. And you have a group of of five team in the final four. It's going to be good theater. I'm really looking forward to to that. I'd like to see an expansion uh, of the college football playoff to to at least eight. At some point, uh, not too far down the road. Hey, we're going to talk college basketball more. We did it last week with Nico Medved. And um, Nico's team was in action on Saturday, as we speak. It was a few days ago in Fort Collins against a very good St. Mary's team. Came in once beaten. They'd already beaten uh, 
uh, Oregon and Notre Dame in this season. It was going to be a really big test for Colorado State. And the fans showed out, man. There was over 8,000 people. And I've done games at Moby Arena since 1987. And I remember back when Tiny Grant was coaching in Fort Collins. And they had great teams and... You know, they'd get great crowds. And that place, for whatever reason, the acoustics there, it is super loud. And it was that atmosphere again for St. Mary's. And Colorado State won wire to wire, and or went wire to wire, and won decisively, and really opened up pretty much a double-digit lead uh, early in the game and sustained it for 40 minutes. They're good, man. They're fun to watch. And um, really bright things ahead uh, for this team. And also down the road, the University of Colorado, back-to-back tough games. They went to UCLA, top five team without question. You know, hung in there but lost in Westwood. And then they came home to play Tennessee again, a team they played a year ago in Knoxville. And this is a young team for Tad Boyle. And they're going to be growing pains. There's going to be lessons learned. They had opportunities against Tennessee um, and ended up losing that basketball uh, game. But that was a great college basketball crowd as well. And so often in our town, it seems like the conversation begins and ends with the Broncos. And we know, and I've talked about this, the Broncos are decidedly mediocre. They they go to Kansas City and they lose for the 12th straight uh, time against the Chiefs. Good defense, certainly nowhere near enough on offense. They're like so many teams in the NFL. They have their moments, but they're pretty mediocre. And I'm I'm saying this not to pick on the Broncos, but I'm saying this to celebrate the other sports that are taking place. And as disappointing as football has been at the collegiate level, save Troy Calhoun's bunch down at, at Air Force, we have good college basketball right now going on in the state. It's been that case, you know, for a while uh, with Tad, 12th year now in Boulder. Nico Medved won 20 games last year. They were a bubble team to get to the NCAA tournament a year ago. Uh, We were just talking about the fact that they're off to a great start, and I said we had Nico on uh, last, uh, last week. I have Tad's team a couple of times this week, really looking forward to that, seeing them again. Uh, And also, you know, a, a tip of the cap uh, to, uh, you know, what's going on down at the Air Force Academy. And um, they're playing really good basketball uh, as well. So, you know, that's that's been fun to see. There are other things to see in the state beyond, you know, professional football. And uh, in that vein, our special guest today is another college basketball expert, following up on Nico Medved from last week. It's Fran Fricilla, who was a, a coach. Remember, he coached St. John's, actually coached New Mexico for a while as well. He's a, he's a New York guy, and I recently worked with him on the Pac-12 network, doing a Colorado game, in fact. I think it was against Montana State. It was a really good basketball game, in fact. Uh, the Buffs won uh, in overtime, 94-90. But Fran has become a household name in the college basketball circles for his work on ESPN. And uh, he's also sought after uh, for player evaluation for guys who are going to play at the next level, the highest level, the NBA. He, he's a great guy. He's forgotten more 
basketball and than any of us will ever know. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy the conversation with Fran on college basketball and uh, the outlook for a couple of the local teams and uh, what it looks like nationally. Fran Fricilla is our interview of the week brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. All right, Fran, you know what? You and I are just getting to know each other. We've got the New York connection. I, I've always uh, said this to guys that I work with, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, when guys either come off the field or the court, especially as a coach, man, broadcasting's easier, isn't it? It really is, Drew. I didn't, uh, of course, to me, it's one and the same job. It's talking basketball. You know, on, on the one hand, you do it with a bunch of teenage kids who you're trying to watch grow into men and good players and, you know, the things that um, that I talk about now on the air are similar. Um, you know, it's been my life for 40 years, so I, I've really been blessed. But no question, the reason I have some black hair at my age is because I gave up coaching at a very young age to go into broadcasting. Yeah, and how did you get in? Everybody has a story that's a former coach. How did you transition into into television? I think, well, first of all, the, the, the 30,000-foot view of it is that I've always loved the game. Uh, uh, growing up in Brooklyn, New York, which has always been a hotbed of basketball, uh, arguing with your friends on the street corner about whether it's uh, the Knicks or the Mets and the Yankees or the Jets and the Giants. I guess I had a gift of gab, which also helped me in coaching, by the way. But I think the genesis was coaching in New York for six years and living there. You get a chance to get uh, you get a lot of media exposure. Let's put it that way. Uh, if, if for example, John Wooden uh, suddenly passes away, there's a news crew coming up to Manhattan College to get your thoughts. You know, you're always in front of a camera when you coach in New York, as you know. And I got really comfortable with it. And uh, my last year at New Mexico, um, I was at I was at UNM for three years, and it wasn't really a cultural fit, really, for both the school and me. I had a great AD, Rudy Davalos, who you you know. Uh, I just uh, I had an opportunity to take a break, for which I thought was going to be a year or two, do a little broadcasting for ESPN, and then go back to coaching probably back east, and quite frankly, what happened was uh, I had two young sons who were nine and six at the time, and I said, wait a minute, I get paid to talk basketball. I don't have the stress. I get to hang out with my kids in the spring and the summer, and it just was a natural transition, Um, and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with talking the game and explaining it and, you know, doing the same preparation, not so much the same, but a lot of the same preparation as a coach, and here I am, 19 years later at ESPN, and I got two sons now, ironically enough, that are both coaching. Yeah, and, and both played for a while. You know that that's such a a blessing, really, because you got to do both. In that you yes. coached for a long time, um, and you had and you had very good success, and yet to be able to raise your family. And I don't think people know. You know, recently we're watching some some major college football coaches change places, and people yes. wonder why and. And I don't think anyone who has not coached at a high level like you really understand the time commitment, which means you are truly away from your family an inordinate amount of time. Yeah, no question about it. You know, if you're fortunate enough to be a major college football coach, uh, you know, in the, in the Pac-12, Mountain West, whatever it might be, sure, there's a lot of perks that go with it, particularly uh, 
at least for a short period of time, the salary. You know, some of these coaches make, you know, ungodly amounts of money. And that's great. And at the same time, for every one of those guys, there's five guys that end up getting fired or having a shorter career. And, you know, for me, it was just a transition. I, I liken it to when you're a coach of a, of a, a Division One team, you, it's almost like you're running a small business. Uh, and in some cases, a large business, if you're Nick Saban or one of those, you know, uh, guys. But in my, in my case, when you when you transition from what I was doing to TV, it's like selling your business and becoming a consultant, you know, and that's kind of how I look at it. I still get to talk about something I love, but I have, you know, my biggest concern, uh, and we and we worked together recently, my biggest concern after a game is, is Outback or Applebee's open till 10. You know, <laughs> uh, that's really what I worry about because I, I really enjoy the games. I enjoy the connection with the coaches and the players and my partners, my production guys. And after a game, there's no stress. I don't have to go home and watch the tape or worry about, you know, not playing a kid more minutes. Um, uh, so in that sense, it's a really great lifestyle because I get to stay close to the game. You know, uh, I, I wasn't uh... – fortunate enough obviously to play at a at a at a professional level but i will tell you that the family that we always talk about in athletics you know this because you've been doing such an outstanding job and and doing a high volume of it uh, for espn in particular for a long time and now you just joined pac-12 as well pac-12 network Uh, but friend there's there's a television family also and one of the for me one of the great joys and i and you just alluded to it i know it is for you as well is that beer and a little bite to eat at 10 or 11 o'clock at night after a ball game I mean, kind of unwind. No doubt about it. And, and you know, I, and actually the night before a game too, you know, is, you know, where you get to, you know, it's kind of a semi-production meeting, but you're, you're with your buddies, you're with people you've worked with in the past. In some cases you're working with people for the first time. And that's cool too, because that's that icebreaker where we can talk about uh, everything going on in, in life and sports and, Hey, Oh, by the way, let's talk about this game and how we want to, you know, bring it to the fans and what's the most way, best way to entertain people. Because as you know, Drew, you've been doing this a long time. It's it's one thing to really love the game, whether it's baseball or basketball, but it's another thing to make it enjoyable for somebody, you know, watching or listening at home. And I'm pretty conscious of that. I've been really lucky because I didn't have a broadcast background, but I had some great mentors early on at ESPN that really taught me how to understand what a TV production is. And, uh, so it's not just I'm it's not just that I'm coaching. I have I think I've developed an eye for what works on TV, and I say that humbly, only because I've been around a lot of great TV people. And by the way, when you work with great uh, broadcasters, uh, and you and I have talked about this, I got a chance to work with Brent Musburger for three years at ESPN. Um, those guys, you know, uh, teach you so much about the business, and uh, if if you got open eyes and open ears, you actually it's actually better than going to J school, you know? So I've been really lucky about the people I've been around. Yeah. The analogy I make in my middle son, uh, you know, he's still playing college baseball, but you know, he aspires to get into broadcasting and, and I tell him and I tell all kinds of young folks that, that again, aspire to do this. It's not unlike playing ball. 
in that the more reps you get, you know this, friend, the more reps you get, the better you're going to be. And you can't you can't learn that in a classroom. No. And I got to tell you a little secret. You got me thinking about something that I haven't thought about in a long time. When I was a young assistant coach back in the 80s, that's a long time ago. But I was I was I was at a place called Ohio University. And uh, in order to get anywhere in Ohio from Ohio, you, you had to drive at least two hours, Columbus four hours to Cleveland, two and a half to Cincinnati, four to Toledo. And honestly, that was back in the old AM-FM days, no serious radio, no cell phones. And I used to interview myself in the car and I'd drive home from a high school game in Cleveland. I wouldn't get home till 2 in the morning, and I would I would literally practice post-game interviews, uh, uh, you know, uh, job interviews, coaching interviews, trying to, and I practiced it. And ironically enough, all those years later, sometimes I find myself thinking, and I used to do this when I was in a car driving for four hours. So, you know, it all kind of it all kind of fits together. But it, it all comes back to two things: I love to talk, and I love the game of basketball. And those two have fit together well for me. Yeah, because you and I are similar age and similar background. You'll you'll get a kick out of this. You reminded me of a story. Uh, and when I was when I was a kid, I would turn the sound down on Nick games. And yep. call the games into a tape recorder, of which most kids who are maybe listening to this right now have no idea what the hell a tape recorder is. But, right. um, you know, and, and that was the days of DeBusher and Bradley and Reed and Frazier and, and Monroe. Um, sure. I, I was wondering, growing up in Brooklyn, who were your heavy influences on the court um, that, that, that got you going? Well, certainly, you know, as you as you experienced where you grew up in the New York area, um, we were 12 month sports fans, like many people are. You know, if you live in Denver and you're a young kid, you you know, you got the Avalanche and the Nuggets in the winter, and you got the you know the Rockies in the spring and summer, and the Broncos, et cetera. And you know, for us, it was just 12 months a year. So, but and I was a baseball player. You know, I happened to uh, end up being a really good high school baseball player. Uh, I didn't realize this until Google came around, but my kids, when they were little, once said to me one day, Dad, you were all city. And I said, yeah, no, I, I think I was. I forgot about that, you know. <laughs> but, uh, I was a, I was more of a baseball player because of my size, and but I love basketball. I started playing a lot when I was about 12, 13, 14, and really, really devoted a lot of time to the game and, you know, became a good high school player. But, you know, that was the year of the Knicks, and I learned my basketball Ironically enough, from one of the greatest passing teams in NBA history, as you know, you just mentioned the names, and uh, those guys are still talked about with reverence in New York and in the NBA. And I, I guess you could say that I saw how basketball should be played the right way. And, you know, got to go to four or five Knicks games a year with my, my dad and my uncles, and it really started from there. It's been 50-plus years, but um, I literally, Drew, from the time I fell in love with the game at 14, I do something around the game every single day. Uh, last night, late at night, as I get ready, uh, well, for, for a game I was doing, uh, this coming, this week, actually, I have, uh, Iowa State and, um, and Iowa. And, uh, last week I started watching Iowa play Virginia and I'm taking notes. And so it's, it's, it's not work at all. I try to tell people I don't have a job. This is just, uh, something I love doing I get paid for and my wife says it best they don't pay and this you relate to this they don't pay you to work they pay you to travel 
Yeah, and that in a lar in large measure is the truth. It really yeah. is. I, um, yeah. I don't know if I've said this on, on the podcast. I've said this privately to friends like yourself and people in the business. Yeah. The, the last two years, because of COVID, we didn't travel in baseball. Now, last year was a full sure. season. And people would ask all the time, you know, what's that like? I said, well, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not doing my job properly. I'm not around the guys. I'm not around the coaches, managers, et cetera. So I'm, I'm unable to pass along those anecdotes. I, but the one benefit, the one benefit, yeah. Fran, as much as I do enjoy the travel, I really enjoy being in different yeah. cities. However, you know, you finish a series on a Sunday in D.C., and I love our nation's capital, but instead of waiting an hour to get on the bus to then go to the charter to come home, and our travel's great. We're very fortunate, yeah. you know, in, in that regard. But guess what? I would call it in the studio, and a half hour later, I'm at home having a beer as opposed to, you know, now it's six hours later that you 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 walk in your home. So uh, that was yeah. different. Hopefully, it's just, uh, you know, that, that small set of time that uh, we were going through it but yeah the travel uh that's a that's a great way of putting it that that your wife said we get paid to travel that's that's true yeah and i'll tell you last year with the pandemic once they told us we did i did 80 percent of my games from my home with a home studio and espn you know had set a set of many of us up that way i made up my mind especially if you think back to what we all were dealing with at that time the uncertainty of a baseball or football or basketball season once I knew I was going to do these amount of games and they were going to mostly be from home and, and you and I have gotten to know each other, I think you could relate to, to me feeling this way. I said, they're going to know I'm, at, I'm not at the game, but they're not going to be able to tell that I don't have joy for this game. That, right. I, you know, and that's what I tried to do. You know, we could have all been negative and PO'd about having to do a game from home. And I said, you know what? I don't, I, I've made my mark at ESPN. People know how much I love basketball and love talking about the kids and the players and, it was a little harder from home, but I said, I'm going to let people know there's joy in my voice because I'm just glad we're calling games, let alone that we're not there. So, you know, hopefully we're getting back to normal now. And last week I was in West Lafayette. And week before that, it was Mohegan Sun in a great tournament, New York City with the NIT. So we're not back to normal totally yet, but I feel like we're on the back, uh, at least from from standpoint of what you and I do. More with Fran Fricilla, ESPN college basketball analyst in a moment. But first, this for my friends at Ideal Home Loans. Brent Ivinson's team has been in business for more than 20 years in the Rocky Mountain region. They're on down in Arizona as well, saving people money when they buy new homes or when they look to refinance. Their phone number is 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000. And uh, not only are they locally owned and operated, but they care greatly about all of you. And that's why there are so many people who've gone back many times, whether it's uh, for a second home or, as I said a moment ago, it's uh, to refinance. And maybe you're unsure whether you can save money. Get that second opinion by calling 303-867-7000 at Ideal Home Loans, and they're going to see what product you're in, see what interest rate you have, and help you out potentially in saving money. And we all want to do that, especially now during the holiday season. So uh, give yourself an early holiday gift. Give them a call. Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. 
Divorce is not fun. Difficult time, emotional time, uncertain time. Been there. You need guidance. You need counsel. You need accurate information and great professionalism and understanding. And you'll find it without question at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox, Baker and Page. That's Cox, Baker and Page. They've been recognized in a number of publications for their excellent work in the area of family law. They're compassionate and thorough in guiding you through a tumultuous period. Their work has been routinely recognized for its excellence. U.S. News and World Report, for instance, consistently award Laura Page and Mary Cox best lawyer distinctions. If you or someone you know is looking for counsel, reach them at coxbakerandpage.com. That's coxbakerandpage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. Now back to more with ESPN College analyst and expert, Fran Fritchillo. I want to take you back to when you were recruiting again. You know, and, and yeah. you know, you had a, a lot of different stops, but head coach of Manhattan, as people know, with the Johnnies, and you know, growing up in New York, um, for me, you know, St. John's basketball was huge, and uh, you know, we'll leave going to Albuquerque aside. I want to talk specifically yeah. about New York when you when you first started. Um, you know, even as an assistant, what are you right. selling kids and how much has that changed from what you now glean when you talk to your, uh, you know, brethren in the, who are still yeah. in the industry trying to get that 17, 18 year old kid, uh, to, to sign on a dotted line and, and come play basketball at their particular school? Well, I think the one thing that hasn't changed is developing great relationships with people, you know, just people that, when a, when a when a family's going to send their 17-year-old kid uh, or 18 to your school there's got to be a trust factor um, and i enjoyed that part of my job i really did uh, one of the benefits i had of growing up in new york and then being an assistant coach at places like providence and ohio state ohio u was being able to take a new york kid out of new york and to a college environment and that was really fun um, and then going and I and developed all my contacts uh, and then going back to New York at Manhattan and St. John's, I flipped it and I uh, we recruited kids that wanted to be close to home and, you know, play in front of their friends and family. And uh, now what's changed, quite frankly, is there's more people involved with a young man. Uh, you know, there's the AAU coaches, there's, you know, other people. It's, you know, it's not the. It can be at times a slippery, oily business, but ultimately, you know, it's about relationships. And uh, it's also about I, – I, I'll share this with you. I went to a, a wedding of a former player of mine, and you may remember his name, Zendon. Oh, you know, we talked about this, Zendon Hamilton, who played yeah, with the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Zendon got married recently. He was, you know, a little older than most. Probably He's probably 42 now, and I remember he said uh, – at the wedding, he said, um, "I made I made four NBA teams, and I knew I wasn't going to get cut because I played for this man." Meaning that I was very demanding and tough, and prepared him for, you know, what was about an eight-year NBA career time overseas. And so, you look back at some of those relationships where you were tough on young guys; they didn't understand why you were so exacting and uh, demanding. And then, you know, years later, um, they look back on it and go, hey, he had my best interest at heart. So, you know, those are the kind of things I really enjoy when I think back to coaching and recruiting is that you have a chance to affect somebody's life in a positive way. And, uh, 
you know, that was the fun part of the first part of my, my career, uh, the, you know, the coaching part. Yeah, that's so rewarding. You know, I would never ask you specifics, but how how still yeah. widespread are the improprieties, if you will, yeah. the payments um, to get said player to your school as opposed to them going somewhere else? And has the NIL changed that, the fact that now kids can make money? It's going to change it from the standpoint. It's been going on for 100 years. You know, it really has been going on that. There's been a side of college coaching and recruiting. Um, anytime you're talking big business, there's pressure to be good and get people into the stands and make money and for coaches to win, et cetera. And sure, like any business, accounting or you, know, you name it, there's always going to be some corruption somewhere. And there's no question, you know, my, some of my friends and I who I know didn't partake, guys like Tom Izzo, Mike Bray, you know, Tad Boyle's a perfect example of a guy that, uh, I would always, I would be shocked if there was ever an NCAA violation at, at Colorado. Um, but yeah, it goes on and, um, you know, it goes on. You don't know how it goes on. Um, but I would say it's, uh, at the highest level is probably 30, 40% where people will probably break some rules if they have to. The NIL does change everything because now you can legally put kids in position to put a little cash in their pocket, which I think is a great thing. Um, I would say some of the improprieties go on in in one major part of the country, which you could probably figure out. They play major college football at a professional level, and the same is true in basketball. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, you, you, would easily, <laughs> you would easily surmise where that happens. And quite frankly, some coaches – go down to that part of the country and don't understand that there is that kind of impropriety and they don't win because they don't get the players they could. And uh, I think, I think honestly, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, Big East are three leagues where I don't think it's going on all that much, actually. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's re- real quick. One more last thing on, on recruiting yeah. that's interesting. You and I, I think touched on this on the air, uh, a recent game we had up in Boulder. And that is one of the, I want to call it, you know, newer hotbeds, and when we talk about hotbeds, um, yeah. there, there's a multitude of great talent coming out of there, and that is Toronto, which, you know, we you think Canada, you think hockey. Yeah, yeah, no, it's changed. I said it on the air 10 years ago. I was doing a, uh, an Iowa State game, and they had a kid named Melvin Edgem who uh, had a great career, uh, cup of coffee in the NBA, great career overseas, plays on the Olympic team for Canada. And uh, I could see it coming, you know. I follow the high school scene pretty closely. And I said on the air one night, within a decade, Toronto's going to have as good a high school basketball as any major city in North America. And it's true. And, and, and I could, what, what I could see coming, Drew, honestly, was, number one, um, immigration into, into Canada is, is easier. you got a lot of families from the Caribbean and from Africa that have immigrated to a major city like Toronto, and you know from your travels that Toronto is a cosmopolitan, world-class city, one of the great cities in the world. And so you have that mixture of cultures, and then you have, quite frankly, not Steve Nash, although he's a hero. It really started with Vince Carter and the Raptors back in the in the 90s. And, uh, and then the third aspect of that is a lot of these kids started to come to the high schools and prep schools in the United States to play basketball, and now many of those guys 20 years ago are back in Toronto coaching second and third generation. 
and it's exploded. The population is there, the athletes are there, and the love of the game has grown exponentially because of Vince Carter, Steve Nash, you know, the Raptors, the NBA. It's uh, it's really a great cultural phenomenon to see. And I would say this year at the, at the Division One level, there's close to 200 ca- Canadian kids, and most of them from the Toronto area. Isn't that something? I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, you know we talk about games becoming global. Obviously, I spent a lot of my time in baseball. Baseball's yeah. a global game. Uh, you know, you referenced earlier how much you. You know, follow baseball, enjoy baseball. I want to ask you uh, specifically before we talk about nationally in, in your yeah. in what you've gleaned so far from the early part of the college basketball season uh, in in your now adopted state. Because Fran, you make your home with you, with your wife now in Colorado. Um, yes, there's three really good, and I don't want to dismiss UNC because they yeah. they have some nice things also. But talking about uh, you know the two Mountain West teams in, in Air Force. And, uh, you know, Joe Scott's back down there. But Nico Medved at Colorado State and, and once again, you know, talking about Tad Boyle at the University of Colorado, three really, you know, good programs, especially the, the latter two uh, right now in college basketball. It's neat. Yeah, it really is. I've been up to see, uh, you know, uh, Tad, obviously, and then called the game with you a couple weeks ago. I've been up to watch Nico's practice, Joe Scott at Air Force, uh, you know, I don't know how many they might have won four games last year. They're six and one right now, but it's really great to see what's going on in the uh, in the area. You know, we Tad is back home now for over ten years, probably going on fifteen. He's doing a tremendous job in Boulder. I love seeing it. He's one of the good guys in the business, um, so that's fun. They're six and one. Uh, we saw their team. Uh, Nico's team is dynamite. I had them in the NIT last year. And that was my first chance to really get to know Nico. And um, he's not only a great coach and a great guy, great mentor, but I also love his team. You know, they, they, uh, they're they a team that can get to the Sweet 16 very easily. And then, you know, um, I, I wanted to mention uh, Steve Smiley up at Northern Colorado. They've had a tough schedule so far. They're playing teams like Texas and Colorado State in a close game the other day. Uh, and um, my buddy uh, Tim Miles, who used to be at Colorado State, they had a tough loss to them. But I love it. You know, we, uh, we've we always loved Colorado. I've honeymooned here. I've been up here just about every summer for 30 years. And then three years ago, we decided to move to the Springs full-time. And, uh, and actually, full-time this summer for good. We're here for good. But I love the fact that I can get in the car and drive around the state and see good basketball because uh, coming from Dallas, I was easy, it was easy for me to do that. Not as many schools in this region, but the ones that are, the guys are good friends of mine. I'm going to see a lot of. In fact, I'm going to go to uh, this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be Air Force Army at home in the Springs, which will be a fun game. Big thanks again to uh, to Fran for jumping on, and he's one of those guys you can talk to uh, all day long. So we have a lot of college football uh, coming up in later December. I think the uh, tournament's going to be a great one, and uh, make sure you get out and uh, and catch you know Tad's team. Make your way up to Fort Collins, see uh, Nico Medved's. Uh, team as well. There's good college basketball uh, in the area. 
So uh, we'll do it again next week. That's what I tell you every week. I appreciate uh, your time. Make sure you jump on and catch DNVR podcasts and all their sports, but uh, make sure you catch Patrick Lyons on the DNVR Rockies podcast. Uh, they crank out five a week. And I know I didn't mention much about baseball. There's nothing going on right now. They have to get that thing worked out. I hope that they don't drag it to where it's perilously close to spring training. And I understand that's how negotiations typically go. You wait until the last hour to reveal your best hand. I hope they don't do that to the sport. I really don't. I hope they can find a way to you know, sit down, uh, whether it's before the holidays or immediately after the holidays, and just hammer the thing out. Because you know it's going to get done at some point. You might as well get it done without doing damage publicly to the sport. There you have it. Have a wonderful week, everyone, and we'll chat next week. Thanks for uh, telling your friends about our podcast. Stay well.